The Lord be with you. And also with you. Brothers and sisters, if you have your Bible with you, would you open up to Daniel chapter 2? Daniel chapter 2. I don't know about you, but have you ever had really strange dreams? Maybe it was something that you had the night before, uh, something spicy and it brought on a strange dream, or maybe you've had an experience like me. I remember as a kid having the same nightmare over and over and over again. For some reason, it just never left my memory. Maybe, maybe you've had those dreams where you've, you've been chased or maybe you've had those the kind of dreams where you you're you're falling and you know everybody says man if you fall what happens you die or maybe you've had those those strange dreams where you are just flying i've had those as a kid i remember flying and just being able to pump my arms or maybe you've had those strange and very awkward dreams of being caught naked in public or being unprepared for a test or some kind of important event. As adults, we are all used to having these strange dreams and we often wonder, what are our dreams really telling us? Even if we aren't Freudian, we probably believe that somewhere found in our dreams is something that we are working out, maybe in a repressed emotion or maybe it's a result of just profound stress in our lives. Even more, we look to our dreams to, to, to see if they are telling us things. Because we as human beings are constantly, we are always in the search for meaning and purpose. Some insight into the world, our world that we live in, or some insight into ourselves. And so we want to know how we work. We want to know how things work. We want to know how to make our life live, being lived successfully. And we want to know how things work because life often seems to be shrouded in some kind of mystery. We apply for jobs which we seem to be overly qualified for and some, for some reason, we don't get the job. And we wonder why. Is there a dark mystery going on? What happened? Why didn't we get that job that we were obviously qualified for. We don't understand. Every time that we open our mouths sometimes, it seems to even make things worse. And we wonder, is it, is it all my fault that this is happening? What is going on? How in the world is this happening to me? And above all, we wonder as we look look across the landscape of our, our lives, we wonder why do the, the wicked and the evil seem to prosper while we ourselves are, are really struggling? We read articles and we, we find ourselves just aghast at the lifestyle of the rich and the famous, the powerful and the admired, the admired people, and we begin to wonder whether their lives, their lives actually represent real wisdom in the world. Are they doing something right and I am missing out? After all, some of us can't seem to make our the ends meet. And we can't move through life in a way that doesn't incur, incur less pain. It just seems to keep going more and more. But we look at the movie stars, we look at the politicians, we look at the Wall Street barons, and these people seem to be making it happen. 
They had, they have all that they desire, all that they need. And maybe their lives, we begin to ask, maybe their lives are actually representing true wisdom. And maybe our lives are less than that. Here's the reality. God's people in every generation every have begin to think this. Are, are we missing something? Every, they have every reason to believe that those who live with power and those who live with might, those who live with sensuality or idolatry were truly the wise ones. And the time described in Daniel chapter 2, as we are going to see, Israel saw themselves, found themselves in, in exile. And they, they were not only in exile, they were crushed by the might and the power of an evil nation, Babylon. They were, it was an evil nation. And they were, they were taken into a foreign land and they were, they were ser- forced to serve a pagan people who apparently used their idols to triumph over Israel's covenant God. And so God's people must have wondered, what in the world is going on here? Didn't God promise that he would protect us? Didn't God promise that he would establish from David's throne a kingdom that would last forever? Doesn't God love us? Does God still care? Where is our God in the midst of our exile. And even more, Israel had every right to ask this question. Who is truly wise? Those who follow the gods of Babylon or those who follow Israel's covenant-keeping, covenant-making God? And sometimes, my friends, we ask these questions and we wonder whether those who follow the gods of this world, whether or not they are really the wise ones. And that's why this chapter, chapter 2, was so important in the message that Daniel had for God's people. This chapter was meant to show Israel, and ultimately even us, that our God, the God of Israel, and the God of the church is not only faithful, but he is the only wise God. Israel was going to learn that They can trust their God. Babylon's magicians couldn't come through because Babylon's gods could not come through. Only God could. Only our God, the God who came near to us in Jesus Christ, only this God could come through with wisdom, with power, with might, and with glory. So my friends, this morning we are going to be reading the entire chapter 2. And we are going to be hearing from God about how we can trust Him. So would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And before we read, we are going to ask for a blessing of the reading and the preaching of God's Word. So would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, your word gives us life. These are your words, O Lord, and they are without error, and they are here in your book, this book, for our good. So Lord, we pray that this book 
would come alive to us this morning. So show us, Lord, yourself within your word. Show us ourselves. And ultimately, would you show us your sa our Savior, Jesus Christ, and make this book come alive to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the word of Christ this morning from Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. And the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we shall show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretations. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asked is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they saw Daniel, and they were going to kill them. And then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's camp captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he may show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy 
from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of night of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. And the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, Enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the, the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions in your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mystery made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been made, has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretations may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and it appeared, its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its partly, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken into pieces and became like chaff of the, of the summer threshing floor. And the wind came and carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given 
wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you will arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks into pieces and shatters all things. And that iron, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all things, all these. And as you saw, the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be put in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they shall mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It will break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be brought, offered up to him. And the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. So what we see here, that God has a way of unmasking all the claims of all, the un, of all false gods. The way that God demonstrated that he was superior to all the false gods was to, to disrobe them, to unmask them. And I, I say unmask because this chapter has kind of a, a scene in it. In, in, in one way, it's really sad, and in another way, it is, it is totally comic. Nebuchadnezzar, the powerful ruler of Babylon, put his, his magicians in a terrible situation. It was an impossible situation. And we discover as this text opens up that the king has a dream. And this dream was produced by more than psychological distress or repressed emotion. This dream was a revelation from God, a message to the king about the future. So when the king awoke, he demanded that all his magicians not only interpret the dream, but actually tell him what the dream was. 
And the magicians, when they were asked, asked to tell, when they were told, listen, here's the deal. The king said, listen, if you don't make me make known what the dream was and the interpretation was, I will have you ripped limb from limb. The magicians gulped, right? They're going, you got to be kidding me. And they, they appealed again to the king to tell them the dreams. And again, they got a really forceful reply. He says, listen, I know with certainty that you are trying to buy some time. And I know that you guys are speaking lies to me and you are corrupt words. And you're trying to just get by until the times change. Therefore, tell me what is my dream and tell me, what is the interpretation? Essentially, Nebuchadnezzar was saying, listen, you can keep lying to me. You can keep telling me the things that I want to hear. I think you, you're you just trying to play it safe until I get ousted. Well, I'm not going to put up with it. And that's why I'm putting you to, to the test. And if you cannot comply, you are going to die. In reply, the magician set the stage. And it's beautiful how they even worded it. They set the stage for the rest of the story. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great or powerful king has ever asked any magician or enchanter or Chaldean this kind of thing. The thing that the king asked for is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So whether the magicians had darker motives or not, we're not sure, but they made it plain that they could not give the king what the king requested. They were brought to an end, and by implications, so were their gods. Neither the magicians nor their gods could give the king the answer that he desired. And naturally, this wasn't good enough for the king. And so he, what does he order? He orders that they be executed. And as far as the wise men were concerned, it would have taken a miracle for something or someone to intervene. A miracle, only a miracle could help them at this point. So when the captain of the guard came to arrest Daniel, he and his friends... Daniel spoke with what? Prudence and discretion. It just, it just really shows that Daniel was genuinely a wise man, a sage, if you will. But the reason that Daniel was wise was revealed shortly after. He was wise because he told his friends to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that they will not be destroyed like the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So these men, what did they do? They went and they prayed to the God of heaven. In response to their prayer, what did God do? He revealed to Daniel in a vision everything about the dream and the interpretation. When Daniel prayed, he declared, Blessed be the name of the God of God forever and ever to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Did you hear how he prayed? Did you notice how Daniel and his praise of God contrasted with with his God with the other false gods of Babylon? 
First, the Babylonian magicians had claimed that only the gods could give the answer. And by implication, they could not expect that to happen. They could not do it. But by contrast, Daniel is saying that his God, the God of Israel, had all wisdom and all might and all insight. Moreover, Nebuchadnezzar was concerned that the magicians were lying in wait until times change, until they could topple him from power and secure the kingdom for themselves. <laughs> but by contrast, Daniel is saying that his God, the God of Israel, his God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. So in addition, the, the Babylonian magicians operated with their divination, their, their dark arts, their false worship. And But by contrast, Daniel worshipped a God who revealed deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And against, against Babylon's gods and magicians, Daniel sang to his God as the only true wise God, you gave me wisdom and might. The claims of Babylon's gods and Babylon's wisdom were completely unmasked because Daniel's God was the only wise God. And so Daniel came before the king to, to reveal to reveal and interpret this dream for him. And when confronting the king, Daniel made a point of telling him, listen, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven. And it, it, listen, as I'm telling you this, because not because of any wisdom that I have more than the any, all the living, but because Daniel's God, my God, was the true God. And he is the one from whom all wisdom happens. So the, the dream now, the dream was strange. The appearance was frightening to the king. It was made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay. And the king saw this huge boulder coming that wasn't cut out from any human hands. And it came and it destroyed the, the statue. And all of it became like dust and particles. And it dissipated into the air. Not a trace of them could be found. But this boulder became a great mountain, and this great mountain filled the entire earth. So Daniel's interpretation in some way must have assured the king because he said, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. But after Nebuchadnezzar, kingdoms of lesser and mixed qualities would arise. And at some point, he said, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break all these kingdoms and into pieces, and it'll bring them to an end, and it will stand forever. Well, th there has been a lot of discussion over the past two, two and a half thousand years about what these metals stood for. The traditional interpretation is that they represent Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, in Rome. But it strikes to me that whatever these kingdoms represented is far less important than two important truths. First, God and God alone is in, in control of human history. God was the one who told this, this pagan king what human history is going to be like. How does God know these things? 
He knows it because he has foreordained it. He has purposed it. He has determined it. He is the grand conductor of human history. But there is a second truth going on here. And it is this, that God's own kingdom will ultimately oust all other kingdoms permanently. So in the days of all those kings, the God of heaven will establish another kingdom that can never be destroyed, that was not going to be left to the hands of any other people. It will break into pieces all the kingdoms of this earth and bring them to an end. And God's kingdom will stand forever, filling the entire earth. And that, of course, is what happened. If the traditional interpretation is correct, we can say that Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome no longer exist as world powers. And even, think about this, even all the contemporary kingdoms of this world, Russia, the United Kingdom, China, the United States, they are all going to pass away. But on a hill called Golgotha, God established his reign in Jesus' death. And on the third day, he vindicated his king as the true king of the earth. And Jesus was subjecting the enemy to himself until the day that when sin and death are no more and the world and the devil shall be no more. He is establishing this kingdom. And when he is done, God will be all in all. And notice the king's response. It was striking. He found himself bowing down, falling prostrate before this exiled Jew. And he acknowledged that Daniel's God was far superior to all the Babylonian gods because he has been able to reveal this mystery. And in the same way, all the kings of this world, all the presidents, all the dictators, all the rulers, all the governors of this world at the end of this age are going to lie prostrate at the feet of a crucified Jew. And what is his name? Jesus. They will praise our God as the God of God and the Lord of kings. They will admit that his wisdom and their folly are to the praise of his glory. So this story must have given Israel a great amount of hope. They must have recognized uh, that their God has triumphed over this Babylonian gods and undoing all of their false claims. But they must have also seen their own personal and national foolishness. After all, why, why was Israel in exile? It was because of their idolatry. It, repeatedly, God had come to Israel and to Judah through the prophets, urging them to repent and return back to the God, the one who loved them. And they, but they thought that the nations around them were wise for worshiping their false gods, engaging in gross sexual practice, and in the horrendous cult of child sacrifice. So ultimately, their repeated idolatry led them to exile. Why? Because those gods weren't so wise after all. Israel was in fact worshiping the work of their own hands and had become just as dumb as the idols. 
Yet God in his mercy and his steadfast love comes again and again to woo his people back to him. He demonstrated that he is the only wise God, the only one who can reveal the deep things, the only one who can see in the darkness. The truth should have, been, should have brought hope and given comfort to God's people. And that should bring hope and comfort to you and me as well. As God's people, we must cling to this truth. Our God knows what is in the darkness. He is able to see into the dark places of our lives. And there are so many times where as we walk along the path of life with all of its twists, all of its turns, that we would not give anything to know what is on the other side. But we can't see that far. We seem to be stumbling along in this darkness. But God, my friends, God sees in the darkness. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And he is able to shine his light so that we can see what the next step should be. Why is he able to do this? Because he alone is the wise God. He, God, he is alone is the king of the universe. In fact, his, his wisdom and might are tied together. You can see that in verses 20 and 23. So we, we confess these, these grand theological truths that, that God is wise, that God is sovereign, that God can look through history and he knows the future because he has ordained it to happen. He is omnipotent. He is powerful. We confess these truths, but it is in the darkness inside of our lives that we, we find ourselves coming to believe them. We come to stake our entire future, our entire lives on these grand theological truths. And that means that we can stake our lives on the fact that God is greater than all his and God is greater than all our enemies. He is greater than King Nebuchadnezzar, though the king ruled the entire known world. He is greater than all the magicians who claim to be able to discern all mysteries. He is greater, my friends. He is greater than your sickness. He is greater than your losses. He is greater than your depression. He is greater than your fears, your doubts. Our God is greater than that. Do you believe that? Yes? Then say amen. He is greater than those things. He is greater and more powerful and able to intervene and do all that he purposes to do. What Daniel's story calls us to do, along with God's ancient people, is to believe him, to trust him, to not fear, and to not doubt, but to know that our God is the one to whom belongs wisdom and might. God, my friends, God is our strong deliverer, leading us through our lives, which it sometimes just absolutely feels barren and empty. He calls us to trust his leading. Even though dark providences, dark circumstances, and painful moments enter our lives, we are called to trust him. Indeed, he invites us, along with Israel, to even call him out, if you will. That's the turning point in the story when Daniel and his companions do not rest on their own wisdom, right? What did they do? Instead, they turned their hearts 
to rest in the wisdom of God. Daniel said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to seek mercy from the God of heaven. Turn to God. Friends, in our dark times and in our struggles, we must recognize that God is taking us to the place where we come to the very end of ourselves. God brings us to the end of ourselves. Why? So that we will have nowhere else to turn but to him. And he does this so that we will turn to him and we will pray to him for mercy, for wisdom, and for might. And that is the best that is the best place for us because such in such a place of our weakness, we find God's power. And God also brings us to this place because this is the way that King Jesus works to order and to establish his kingdom. Remember, there was a larger point to this vision. The point was not simply that God was the true king of Israel in the midst of their exile. It's true, but that's not, that's not just it. Rather, the point was that God, the true king, was going to deliver his people and ultimately, ultimately he is going to establish a kingdom that will never fail. It will never end. And we know the rest of the story of the Bible, right? That God does exactly this. In Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, God in Jesus has, has inaugurated his rule over the entire world. Jesus is establishing a kingdom that is a great rock, a boulder that will encompass the entire world. And those are real promises. God is working so that the glory of the knowledge of God will cover the world as water covers the seas. My friends, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every one of them. While we don't see everything happening, falling in subjection to Jesus quite yet, we do see that Jesus, who has given himself to sinners like us, is freeing us and ruling in our lives. And this glorious king strengthens us by his spirit, and he calls us to engage this world and see the hints of his reign and rule being made manifest in the lives of our personal lives, the lives of our families, in the lives of our neighborhoods, in our cities, and ultimately this world. And because, after all, God already even knows the end of the story, right? He knows it from beginning to end, and he knows that at the end of human history, all things will be made new, and the King Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from every eye, and he shall be all in all. Ultimately, as we live our lives here, Sometimes we do feel disjointed, don't we, with our world. And sometimes we feel that we are in exile. And sometimes we, we are walking through darkness, not knowing what is going to happen. And sometimes we struggle. But, but we take great comfort, my friends, in the fact that the king that we serve is the God of gods. 
the Lord of kings. My friends, he is the only wise God. And we delight to worship him and him alone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the much-needed reminder that you and you alone are the wise God. Help us to run away from the wisdom of this world, but trust in you, in your wisdom and your might. Help us in the, the dark times to pray to you for mercy, trusting that you will come through. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, my friends, we are so close. July 5 is right around the corner. And that is when we are opening our doors again for our high safety gathering. Would you today, if you have not yet, would you today go into the realm Find the link for that uh, that takes you to registering for this high safety gathering on Sunday, July 5. Friends, I am so looking forward to worshiping with you. But until that time, receive the Lord's blessing. Lift up your hearts and your hands. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Blessings to you as you go.